acting really strange. Especially the faculty. Tell me about it. It's like they've all turned into fucking pod people or something. To what people? Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. It all started yesterday. And they found this thing, this new species. We think aliens are taking over our school. Today we'll be discussing The Faculty. Starring Elijah Wood. If you're going to take over the world... Would you blow up the White House Independence Day style? Or sneak into the back door? Claire Duvall. Aliens have just been setting us up over the years, creating this happy little make-believe existence with their, their E.T. and their men in black movies just so that nobody would believe it if it really happened. Josh Hartnett. It can survive on its own, but it's merely part of a greater organism. Look, it has the ability to replicate, but it needs a host. It's moist. Jordana Brewster. You think I'm going to drag the aesthetics? Sean Hattersey. What if one of us was an alien right now? How would we? Robert Patrick. You seem to be going through some life-defining turning point. I'm not going to stand in the way of the human condition. And Laura Harris. The last one I'll just like me. And I thought that maybe I could give you a taste of my world. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Don't you see? we got to stop it or it's going to spread. It took the high school in a day and a half. Give it a week, and then we're out running. We have to fight. Hello, and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. I'm not an alien. I'm discontent. It's Gally in Glasgow. Get a fucking eye, dog. It's Matt in South Korea. Oh, hello, Matt, and hello, listeners. And uh, <laughs> listeners, you you may have noticed we are, we are down to, um, unfortunately... Devlin is on holidays, and we can't begrudge him, you know, seven days off. He's, no. he's lived and worked in London for the best part of his of his life. So seven days off is like, you know, that's like that, gold dust. That's the uh, dream. That is the dream. And then for, for everyone who has a day off, there's somebody who has to work. So Patrick um, <laughs> yeah. has unfortunately um, been called to set. So it's just you and me, Matt, but this, you know, this isn't our first rodeo. So no, we did Bond that... together. We did yeah. uh, Young Guns 2 together. Yeah. Colon. Colon. Blaze of Glory. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, and also, happy birthday, Emilio. Um, it was the other day. Happy birthday, Emilio. <laughs> I'll, I'll not say it now, but the time I met Emilio, it was amazing. <laughs> anyway. So welcome, listeners. Today, we're doing uh, something a little bit different. We actually had no... We just had a little brief discussion about how do you categorize the faculty? Is it a throwback or is it a bargain bin? And uh, and I think depending on how we how we go about this discussion and how it falls mm. in the end, maybe we'll decide at the end. But yeah, it, it would way, depend on the it, on the viewer or the listener, I guess, to categorize. Yes, it. absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we're going to be doing Robert Rodriguez's The Faculty. And some might not know that he directed this mm. because it may be his fingerprints aren't on it. Who knows? We'll have a chat. Let's just say that me and Matt have a disagreement on that one. It's just a slight one, yeah. Uh, you know, you know. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? it yeah. How boring would it be if everyone agreed on everything? <laughs> it's true. It'd be like it'd be like the, the Simpsons. There's our <laughs> reference, by the way. So the Simpsons... 
when they uh, when they have a world without lawyers. Yeah, it would just be a boring utopia. Just get a shudder. <laughs> right, Matt, what are your experiences with the faculty? Well, th- this one's quite near and dear to me. I would have probably picked this one eventually. I think it came up in our chat because Patrick was originally going to choose it for Hella Rewind last year. And uh, he eventually went with Candyman. But I did a bit of research for the faculty because I thought we were going to be doing it. So I had a lot of notes already prepped. Uh, This was a big one for me. I watched it often. I think it was a rental initially. It'll have been later on in 1998, I guess. It was released Christmas Day in America. Was it during the time when the UK got films far later, though? I I think we probably got it in the summer. Oh, we got it in 99, did we? Yeah, I think so. Because obviously it was releasing Christmas in the US. So when you say 98, 99, that sounds like it's a massive difference. But it was just obviously because yeah. they released it right at the end of the year. Well, I wondered if it was a summer one because I did my GCSEs that summer. And I seem to remember seeing it around the summertime. But I don't think it was a cinema. But I'm, I might be wrong. It may have been 99. Uh, I was at college. Um, I was really excited to see it. I think the, the Kevin Williamson connection... It sort of is a vein that runs through a lot of those films. I just, uh, before I forget, because I didn't write it down, uh, I made a playlist of that kind of era. Um, so it was starting with Scream in 96 and then The Craft. I Know What You Did Last Summer, Scream 2. I still know what you did last summer. Yes. <laughs> Urban Legend, The Faculty, Halloween H2O, Disturbing Behavior, Idle Hands, Urban Legend's Final Cut, Cherry Falls, Blair Witch 2, and then ending with Scream 3 in the year 2000, which I didn't That's care the cliff for, edge, but... isn't it, Scream 3? It is. I think I, I, for, for anyone of a certain age, and we're, you know, we're not the same age, but we're of a similar age. Yeah. Scream 3 was also my drop-off, which is actually a shame because I actually think out of all the Screams, it's probably got some of the best ideas, but as a cohesive piece, mm. it just doesn't. Yeah, I felt a drop-off. Um, I, I loved Scream 2, and I was the perfect age for those two initial screams. Um, but yeah, so this was one that I, do you think it will have been a DVD or a VHS? If it was 99, we're right on the cusp, aren't we? It was, well, it was a VHS for me. Um, mm. I don't know if you want to know my, uh, my little history with the faculty. Sure. Um, well, I, okay. Embarrassing story alert, uh, and also confessional. So please, uh, please father, forgive my sins. <laughs> um, I watched this movie rental blockbuster and then, subsequently uh fell in love with uh with the character zeke and thought yeah. actually that's a good way of making like a few pounds which at that age because uh, i would have been oh, was no. it 98 wasn't it so i was where's this going should we have lawyers on this show mm, we well i'll have to speak to i'll have to speak to danielle who is a lawyer um uh-huh. i was 13 so i was 13 so i would have been 14 in 99 Yes, uh, but what I didn't do is I didn't do all the chemistry stuff. Were you peddling wonder dust or whatever he was? No, no, no. I just, uh, we were not allowed to be given paracetamol in my school. I think that's like a blanket thing in the UK. It certainly wasn't in in, in that really? time. Yes, just in case you're allergic to it. So okay. I bought loads of it and then used to sell. Um, so it technically was a drug dealer-ish. Ah, so you were the Zeke of your school. You didn't have his haircut too, did you? No, no, but but purely influenced by the faculty. Like I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it because I'm some sort of entrepreneur. I watched ah. the faculty and thought, "There's a, 
there's a good way of making a couple of quid. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really make a great deal of money because no one wanted any paracetamol. So no. it was a, but I was, you know, it influenced me massively. And then, nice. um, I, I remember, so all of those films you just reeled off mm. every year, my mum would have to buy them on VHS for me. <laughs> yeah. So I had the faculty on VHS. Um, and you're, you're absolutely spot on. Disturbing behavior was like, uh oh. This is starting to drop off a bit, but Katie Holmes is in it. So, right. And, and also friend of the show, William Sadler. Yes. Then Idle Hands, unfortunately, criminally unfunny. I know some people do enjoy that movie, but, but Jessica, Jessica Alba, Alba yeah. looks great in it, but it is not very funny. It wasn't yeah. really my humor anyway. Let's put it that way. It was too stonery yeah. considering I was a drug dealer that didn't do drugs. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then you're right. Scream three. It was it was almost like it was too the ideas were too big for my small brain. I was like, well, wait a minute, wait, why aren't all the kids just self, being so, super self referential? Because yeah. the movie within a movie thing was a little bit too you know, <laughs> I hadn't experienced life enough to understand Once what Jay that and meant. Silent Bob show up in your movie and it's not a Kevin Smith movie, you you know you're in trouble. Well, this is it. And then what was the the, the same year or the year after, I think it would have been Jay and Silent movie the movie with Dawson and uh, Jason Biggs and all those guys. And that was at my level because that was just like someone walking into the wrong window and going, Oh, right. wrong set. I like, <laughs> oh, I get that. That's funny. Yeah. I know what you mean. I was, it, it became, um, you, you could see the shots as they were coming. You, you, you knew by that point that scream had become this, this thing. And also it was kind of sad that I was old enough to finally see that in a cinema and it was a rubbish one. It wasn't as bad as scream four, which is absolutely abysmal. But, um, oh, really? People would, people will come at you for that. The scariest thing about Scream 4 is Courtney Cox's plastic surgery. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong there. Grow old gracefully, please. No, I didn't care for that one. And I haven't seen the TV show yet, but, um, it, it's not my era anymore. But back, back in the day, Scream 1 and 2 were amazing. Loved them. Yeah. Like I say, the other McCulkin, I was scared because I swear I saw him like have two Pepsis. So I knew he was going to wet the bed. <laughs> yeah those those are all all great movies that we may discuss Mm -hmm. certainly good movies to have a discussion about yeah um but the faculty in that cycle that you've just kind of reeled off in your playlist lesser known do you think no well so google is wonderful for many things but sometimes i think there can be a kind of reappraisal slash retrospective category or tag attached to a movie that probably you know, this movie I lived through, it's got cult status now, but I think, I think people thought it was bigger than it was. I've got the numbers here. 15 million budget and the box office was 63 million. So that's not great for a in the middle of the storm of the teen. I'd say teen, but it's like the youth market cycle of the, the mid nineties. I know yeah. they call it horror because Scream kind of started it. Uh, certainly started the Dimensions film cycle and the Kevin Williamson of it all. I wondered if the Christmas Day release hurt it because do you really want to see a, a, a sci-fi teen horror? That's what they said about Scream. So that was Mirror, that was Dimension Films' counter-programming that worked in 96. But right. I guess what, what, uh, what that playlist shows is, you know, you get a lot of people now complaining about superhero movies and about how like it's been going on forever Mm. look how short that cycle was i mean what was it four years 
and it's done. You could argue four, but you could push it to six. You could argue early 90s. You could probably go left of Scream. Oh, you could maybe go um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah. yeah, when was New Nightmare? 93? Around there. I don't know. Yeah, but but it wasn't like a fever pitch. Like no. My mum went to see Scream, which is weird because yeah. she's not a horror fan and she's not a teenager. She certainly wasn't back then. Yeah. Uh, and she certainly isn't now. I don't know why I've decided to revert. <laughs> she doesn't get younger with, with AIDS. Um, but yeah, so it did cross over because I think people just had to go and watch this movie that probably wasn't for them. And, and actually, I remember when she came back from the cinema because I was too young. She said it was rubbish because, yeah, because it wasn't for you, <laughs> mum. It was for me yeah. and I couldn't go. Um, right. Anyway. So yeah, you're right. The, the faculty um, definitely got mo- its hooks into me argue the parasite had gone in because i tried to be like z lost <laughs> yeah. my identity to the mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. um but yeah i think for a, for people of a certain age it, it it holds a it holds a soft spot i think yeah for sure let's talk because we've kind of talked around it let's talk about that kind of evolution for for miramax and the subsidiary of dimensions yeah obviously boo hiss <laughs> uh, plague on all your houses uh miramax but yeah. It's it's the other Weinstein who uh, who had dimensions, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Bob that ran it. Yeah, so Harvey was off making his uh, prestige pictures, trying mm-hmm. to give Miramax, you know, the credibility that they they so wished uh, and they yearned for. Tarantino, you have to say, is is the kind of the, the fulcrum, isn't he? Yes, because of the, the dimension connections to From Dusk Till Dawn as well, which was the other one. I always remember seeing that dimension logo at the beginning of Dusk, and and then Dimensions subsidiary just doing genre fair, teen genre fair, Mm because you could argue from Dust Till Dawn is like the vampire movie. Yeah, someone mentioned it. I think it's the girl that played Mary Beth uh, in one of the interviews. She was talking about Rodriguez and how he kind of brought vampires back uh, and Kevin Williamson kind of brought a lot of things back for Scream and it was all kind of tied tied in. It was that, that time when things were kind of being brought back with a modern kind of slightly snarky, askew kind of way of looking at it, I suppose. And then we come to the faculty and interestingly doing the research, kind of properly fast tracked to to green light. So the the flash to bang for the faculty was quick. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the some of that kind of not lack of attention but some of those kind of like just loads of ideas you can see in the movie there's a few there's a few things as we get into the into the film that i want to raise where i just feel like a little bit more time maybe another draft whereas scream was like so tightly constructed because obviously williamson had worked on that worked on it you know that was his baby then you have the success of that they pump out scream 2 which it's a good sequel um it's not it's it's not a great sequel it's a good sequel it doesn't improve on the original i don't think but it it was a capable capable follow-up no it's capable follow-up it we will no no doubt do it one day on the show because it's Mm. got a film school scene partly responsible for me even going near a technical college to study film and uh you know but it was nothing like that we will emphasize it again it really is nothing like that you don't get to sit around with pretty girls talking about sequels it doesn't happen it doesn't work that way does it everyone who was when i looked when i day one of university when i looked around i saw <laughs> devlin and thought <laughs> we could probably be mates and i was like where's the hot sarah michelle geller looking girl who are gonna have yeah. the convo about you know yeah. stay away from her you bitch it, mm-hmm. you know not no didn't exist 
Certainly not in Leeds. Sorry, Leeds. What about um, the genesis for this one? I, I heard that those two guys, their names escaped me, had written a script on spec. And they, uh, after Scream, uh, Miramax were looking for something in a similar vein, but with sci-fi rather than horror. And this got dug out and uh, Kevin Williamson sprinkled his magic dust on it. And it became uh, something that, that attracted Rodriguez, who'd just done Dusk for Dimension. So he was already in the loop. He just jumped straight from one to the next. Oh, here's, um, a, here's a question then. Before, But we'll get into it in more detail. Was he contracted to Miramax? The only reason I ask is, is um, in the research I did, and I'm sure you found it as well, they'd actually given, they'd asked Williamson to direct. Oh, that's right. He turned it. He turned the faculty down to do Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which, you know, unfortunately, Kevin, that was probably the wrong wrong call. It was. But in, in Kevin Williamson's hands, I don't know if the faculty's quite the same. I, I know you, you can't really see the Rodriguez fingerprints, as you said, but I've I, I kind of can in places. I, I think I could I could have identified this as a Robert Rodriguez film if I didn't know. But I, I never saw Teaching Mrs. Tingle, but by by all accounts, it uh, it fell fell short. In, in a very, very brief review, because we'll never do it, despite the Katie Holmes of it all, um, it's just really despicable characters doing despicable things. But without um, – there was nothing re- redemptive about it. Okay. I kind of felt super mean-spirited and also the timing of it. Similar to this, you cannot ignore the, the Columbine – post-Columbine world yeah students doing bad things to teachers and doing things in school under a veil of a sci-fi film maybe takes the edge off but if you take that element away perhaps it is too mean-spirited to to tackle yeah yeah and I've never gone back to it but I again Dawson Creek meant that I watched every film from all of them apart from the guy (laughs) who played Jack who uh... (laughs) oh he did uh, Final Destination yeah, but I didn't watch. I didn't watch Final Destination for him. That's for sure. No, no. Um, I watched it for Tony Todd. Pacey, of the show, Pacey was in uh, Urban Legend. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. They they all they all had the hand in something, didn't they? And we've already yeah. discussed Michelle Williams just turned up and didn't do a great deal, but she's had a great career anyway. Yeah. In Halloween H two O with our good friend Josh. Um yeah. So, Matt, before we get into the faculty, can you remind me and the listeners of the plot to? The faculty. Ohio, Harrington, a football town, home of the Hornets. An after-hours principal teacher meeting descends into a stalk and slash when Coach Willis inexplicably turns murderous and horny and persists to pursue Principal Drake through the halls of Harrington High. But just as she escapes his pencil-wielding clutches, she's stabbed brutally by elderly co-worker Mrs. Olsen, who apparently always wanted to do that. We meet our band of outsiders and misfits, geeky Stephen King kid and nerdling a punching bag, Casey, wonder dust peddler, galley impersonator, and fake celebrity porno tape entrepreneur, the nonchalant too cool for school know-it-all Zeke, faux lesbian goth and sci-fi aficionado Stokely, the insouciant raven-haired Estee Lauder-lipped, 72 minutes to apply, Journo head cheerleader and superficial first-class grade-A bitch Delilah. Star quarterback Jock, captain of the football team and proud D student on a yellow brick quest for a brain, Stan. 
and Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, the Southern Blonde Sweetie, and alienated Harrington Newby. When Casey discovers a parasitic new species that reacts unusually when placed in water, it can replicate. It has teeth? Where did it get teeth? And combines this with sightings of thirsty faculty members standing under sprinklers, glugging, endless cups of water, and acting peculiarly all round, he begins to unravel the mystery. His teachers are being assimilated. Aliens are taking over the fucking school. Soon Stan witnesses bizarre happenings too. Grandma Mrs. Brummel is too old. Her body couldn't take the extraterrestrial transition, so she wigs out and falls apart during a wet and wild in the boys' shower. Casey and Stokely assess the situation with her playing devil's advocate. Could it be a conspiracy? Are they pod people? An alien invasion akin to the Puppet Masters by Robert Heinlein? How do we know Lucas Spielberg's Sonnenfeld Emmerich haven't all been visited by aliens? Maybe they're aliens themselves. Maybe the X-Files is right. Who is real? Who's an alien? Who is human? Who can they trust? The disparate gang of survivors must unite in a race against time to draw plans against the aliens and prevent the clandestine invasion from infesting the town. The parasites require hosts. The faculty, the high school, the entire town is being turned and mind-controlled. They're using human bodies consisting mostly of water. But if they're dried out, they can't survive. And if you kill the leader, you kill them all. But the parasites are part of a greater organism, a queen bee. God, Matt, all that talk of uh, water. I don't want to quote John Stewart, but uh, God, just listen to it made me want to take a piss. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of water in this movie. Well, we, we should start on that, um, that kind of cold opening kill. 100% a, a kind of staple of this this era from dimensions and again popularized uh hugely in in scream okay we don't have a drew barrymore but uh you know i watch frazier so i know who i know who she is <laughs> yeah and also i remember her being the like is she like the half sister or the sister in jumanji that'll be right who gets attacked by the monkeys so um <laughs> and obviously uh, again, anyone of a certain age recognises Robert Patrick. So, okay, we don't quite have a Drew Barrymore, but the whole cold opening stuff uh, is wicked. I really it enjoyed it. It kind of properly gets you into the movie. It's what you expect as an audience member going to see the faculty two years after Scream, for sure. I think that's the scariest scene in the film. I always remember responding to that. Um, and it could be the Robert Patrick of it all. He, the, you don't want him chasing after you. It's, a, it's just a nightmarish vision anyone who grew up watching terminator 2 is immediately transported to have you seen this boy you know the, the wayne's world 2 of it the way he, um, <laughs> a little bit later on in the movie he talks to stan when stan uh confronts him about leaving the football team and i was like he is a hundred percent channel in the bit where it's a good looking boy <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if i keep this picture you're like, oh, he's so sinister. Yeah. All I wanted him to do was to pull up in a car that said to protect and serve. I've decided to quit the team and concentrate on my academics. Okay. Stan, we'll miss you. That's it? Well, what do you want me to say? My star quarterback comes to me the day before we play Brun County, the only team in the district that can kick our ass, and tells me he doesn't want to play. There's something up with that. You seem to be going through some life-defining turning point, and 
I'm not going to stand in the way of the human condition. We, we wondered how much he was running in this song, because I don't know if you could remember how much there was, but there's a lot of whistleblowing and running at the beginning there that's uh, kind of T-1000-esque, isn't it? And I suppose, actually, we are doing Robert Patrick a slight disservice because he's he's full coach knobhead right at, right at the right at the beginning. Mm. So we have a little bit of um, offspring playing. That's right. There's another water theme there where he's plugging the, the sprinkler with his hand. And then we, we know now that it would be Mary Beth, presumably, that was confronting him there and he turns around and sees her so he's the first one to be turned so he doesn't really get much chance i i, I suppose there's a lot of yelling at the beginning they pick up the linebacker and all, all that stuff yeah he's playing it uh at like 11 yeah in order to then when he goes t1000 that we recognize there's been a change yeah. yes yeah. um he's also gone as you said a little bit horny which i don't <laughs> think he was very horny and a bit hammy songs. Yeah, well, is it is it too early for the the Ham Neal Award? Let's do the nominees and then we'll decide who gets it later. But yeah, he's a nominee for me for sure. Okay, let's go to the tape. So, the <laughs> Ham Neal Award. Listeners, for those of you who are unaware of the Ham Neal Award, in no way is it meant to be uh, Derogatory. A, a cruel a cruel jibe at our friend and uh, of the show, Sam Neal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is merely... His performance in Event Horizon is such that it is so ham and cheese that we um, we have now created an award. We've honoured him, in a way. Yeah, for those performers who elevate a character or essentially just steal a movie. They like to go the extra mile by leaping off the screen. So let's go through the nominees for the faculty. So 100% Robert Patrick uh, is, is a nominee. I would put um, uh, Christopher McDonald. I think he's Chris McDonald here, uh, who Shooter, Shooter McGavin, and uh, Tappy yeah. Tibbins from uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream. He's he's quite big in everything, uh, so I would I'd chuck his name in the hat. Uh, how about um, I don't think Usher would qualify because he's he's a bit too low key. No, and that and that is where the Ham Neal Award is separated from cruelty. Because it is not about being a bad performer. You need to be a very, very good actor yeah. in order to then go ham Neil. Usher is utterly terrible in this movie. And I can understand completely why Robert Rodriguez, when editing the film himself, went, I'm going to get rid of this guy. <laughs> Chop him out as much as possible. <laughs> he's absolutely. Yeah. He's got one line, that anal probe line, I swear to God. I don't know, but... But we, um, we, we, we follow, uh, crew stories on Facebook. I might throw it out there and say, did anyone work on the faculty? How many takes for Russia's one line? Cause he's dreadful. Bums on seats. It, he's, he's there purely for, you know, for the target audience to, to get a few more, uh, few more ladies in, I, I imagine. Hey, yo, piss watch, you're in my way. I'm sorry. I was breathing here. I have one more nominee, John Stewart, um, who is very desperate here, doing his Salma chasing uh, and turning sinister. There's a bit where he gets stabbed uh, in the eye with the pen and he's doing a lot of juddery acting. And it's very like uh, Ash in Alien. I think he starts whizzing around with a high pitched kind of noise uh so i'd i'd throw him in there but uh honestly i'm leaning towards uh 
leaning towards Robert Patrick at this point. I don't know about he's you. He's got more screen time as well, hasn't he, Robert Patrick? And he's it's he does the shoot McGavin point uh, from Happy he Gilmore. He does the point in the wing. There's lots of good stuff, but as I say, my favourite bit in his in his performance is the I'm not going to stand in the way of a human condition. Like. He is definitely doing the T-1000. <laughs> that is how he speaks to John Connor's foster parents. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yes, I think that cold opening, very, very good. Sets you up for what you think is going to be a horror movie. And then, lo and behold, slightly turns. Hmm. How, how would you categorize this one then? If you're putting a sticker on in, in Galley's video shop, what, what, do you, what section do you put it in? So I would go sci-fi with horror elements, similar to Alien, similar to... The Terminator. That's, I'd agree. I think it's it's sci-fi predominantly because that's what most of the influences, you know, point to. But it does have the only real connection to horror. I think is the scream element via Kevin Williamson and also Robert Rodriguez had just made Dusk, which is uh, you know from Dusk Till Dawn is a, an all-out horror film in the second half. So uh, I guess you could argue that. But yeah, mo- most of the influences are, are sci-fi, aren't they? Yeah, there are horror influences that also bleed in. I'm thinking about uh, Mrs. Brummel. Ah, The Shining. Yeah, one of the most disturbing scenes in the movie, especially because Robert Rodriguez made her take, like, literally rip her top off. Especially when you think that Stan is buff naked. It's really weird. It kind of got under my skin when I watched it this week. It's a nice jump scare because you you kind of, he he leads you in one direction and then it sort of comes back and she's there and it, it is peculiar. I, I think the reason she's stripping off is the, it's like a shining thing. Again, similar to Scream though, because Scream had that effect on, on certainly me as a teenage audience member. The references, I had never seen the movies because, you know, I was 13. That's right. I'd never seen Prom Night. I'd never seen uh, Terror Train. I think I'd seen Hellraiser. I'd seen Evil Dead. But the, the, he Randy was talking about stuff I'd never even heard of in Scream. We talked about Robert Rodriguez. So you tell me where the fingerprints are, because I would say mm. I watched this uh, as a youngling and I'd, I was also a big fan of From Dust Till Dawn. I had no idea that Robert Rodriguez directed this. I actually assumed that it was like an exec produce role where, you know, maybe he had some creative influence from exec perspective, but not actually behind the camera. Yeah. Um, there was an interesting bit of, trivia not that i found one that i actually knew which was <laughs> a change it's not stolen from imdb um he when he was at high school robert rodriguez was hired to film the high school football games and he was actually fired because he would film the crowd and he would film the disappointed reactions and and then the cheering and he'd cut together a little story of it but he'd miss all of the key plays so the coach would be pissed off that he wouldn't be able to watch back the, the the plays to see how the team was actually doing. So he actually got sacked from doing it. And there's a behind the there's there's hardly any behind the scenes stuff for the faculty. The B roll is just almost non-existent. And the DVD releases, we'll get to it, but dreadful, bare bones. Uh, but there's a behind the scenes shot where he's riding a dolly track, and there's the big football game going on, and then he's filming the the spectators and it just reminded me of that part of the uh, rebel without a crew the book um so as far as his fingerprints um there's a bit where um uh mrs olsen is saying casey and casey's watching the coach as he's under the sprinklers it's such a wonderful edit isn't it yeah it just it jumps in and it's also very scream there's a bit what's odd about it is that they're saying Casey. And then there's a bit with Casey Becker, who's played by Drew Barrymore at the beginning of Scream, 
where she's hanging from the tree and they do the same kind of juddery jump cut in. But that one was only done because it was so gory that the, the MPAA had to, uh, they had to trim out parts of it. So, so, uh, Wes Craven could use that entire shot. He had to make it this juddery way to get it passed and to get an R. But, um, so th- that one felt like something from, from Dust Till Dawn to me. And there's some stuff in Desperado that's a little bit similar. Um, there's some whip around, uh, steady cam moves, like when Zeke arrives in his Pontiac GTO, I think it said it was. Um, and the, the steady cam kind of moves around him. That was very Robert Rodriguez. Uh, and then the, the music and sound effects and not the music, cause that was kind of scream, but the, really the, like we talked about the ADR and the Foley and the, um, the very impactful kind of stuff there felt very Robert Rodriguez to me. I guess from my perspective, I read one interview. You're right pretty scarce when it comes down to the things that one help out podcasts but two if you've got a genuine interest in the movie um you're not really going to get a great deal of um a great deal of kind of resources to to kind of explain away stuff or help you understand mm. creative decisions but i did read an interview with um rodriguez and he was very very glowing about kevin williamson so i and he in particular the scream script so I do wonder if once he's once he's on board, you think he's serving the script, serving the story. I think so, yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Also, I, I don't think he's a, a superb writer, Robert Rodriguez. You know, whenever he gets his, no, his hands on no. something as a writer, it's a it's a bit of a question mark. It's better when he's directing Quentin stuff, or yeah, absolutely. You referring to Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is awful. Well, I, I hated that, um, and El Mariachi's bare bones there's hardly any dialogue really it's a very visual film and the, the dialogue that is in there isn't particularly great but i i do like desperado i think desperado's got a really decent screenplay but um i'll, I'll write about it more on in the essay on the uh, rewind moviecast.com but um i i kind of fell out with rodriguez and then back in a bit later on circus in sin city and uh uh grindhouse i, I was back on board there and now he's kind of out again with me because i'm not really following the mandalorian or anything like that so hit and miss really yeah he he has got a hit and miss uh career and i guess my my view on him is uh extremely talented love his attitude and his example that he sets you know um tarantino gets a lot of the credit but actually rodriguez similar but just did it in a different way he really did just go i'm just gonna pick up a camera and do this well he tried it with um my i was watching some of uh, my best friend's birthday on youtube which was the 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 film that he tried to make for three years almost in a mariachi style he was paying for it with his uh video archives um salary and and it just ended up being a bit of a disaster really it didn't really come together uh, but not everyone can do it but rodriguez made a film for seven thousand dollars and there's a lot of haters out there that say that he didn't and that that's impossible but if you if you do read the book you can see exactly how he did it it's two different approaches at the time wasn't it so quentin i think did it from within and rodriguez was the outsider quentin sort of did it the 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 bad taste peter jackson way which was working and, and shooting on weekends renting equipment or, or buying a cheaper 16 mil camera and trying to do it that way but um yeah rodriguez just knocked it off in a shot it in a couple of weeks and put it together and there you go i just meant from within as in he'd uh he'd started to write scripts sell scripts get connections whereas rodriguez 
completely out on his own. That's what I meant. So with this, I, I don't know. I guess it's less about seeing his fingerprints and more maybe he's respecting the screenplay. Could be. More than he might have done. And also, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like if this guy, this Kevin Williamson guy, currently hot right now, writing these scripts and people are reacting to yeah. him, then his job is to just make it as visually interesting as possible. Mm. I guess that's where I'm not seeing as much Rodriguez because I do feel like he's um, he's going for a quite a consistent tone. There is yeah. a, I wouldn't even say it's satirical. I think uh, it, but it, it borders on like it's heightened clearly, self-referential, bit meta. Yeah, yeah, but it's also quite. Um, there's a lot of melancholy, I think, in the movie. Like I mm. love, and this shouldn't, but I I came from a, I went to a pretty like okay school, but it was crummy. In areas, I love how shitty the school is and the faculty. Like yeah. The fact that Stan has to shower with a bar of soap on rope. <laughs> yeah. And they mentioned they don't have enough money that, but because the football team is taking everything because it's a football town. So they're, they're struggling in other areas. Yeah. And, and that all that, that first scene where we see the faculty exhausted, um, belated, you know, deflated, mm. just kind of generally at their lowest ebb. And you've got the, uh, principal who's who's kind of like you know my frustrated hands mm. are already tied that's yeah. all fantastic stuff because it then becomes the jumping off point for where i do think there is plenty of satire which is the performative nature of being an authority figure yeah especially when you have a class so i know that you've done some teaching in the in the in the past yeah i've delivered i deliver training it's fucking exhaustive because you have to, you genuinely have to put on a different face. Yes. And I think the film catches that. Mrs. Brummel, with all sadness, no new computers. Oh, but... But get the service guide down here and get the old ones juiced. Mr. Tate, you're dreaming. Absolutely no field trip to New York City. Look, I don't think that you understand. You're not getting out of Ohio. Rethink it. And finally, Mrs. Olson... There's just no money for a musical this year. But I bet the football team gets their new jerseys and their new equipment. Have you seen the football stadium on a Friday night, Mr. Tate? The entire town is there. This is a football town, let me remind you. And yes, the team will get new jerseys and new knee pads and new jock straps and anything else they want in the name of education because that is what the school board wants. Because that is what the parents in this town want. I'm sorry. My frustrated hands are tied. And and that becomes, you know, um, a, a very meta thing again, because they're putting on these masks and and now they're actually not themselves. They've actually become something else. So that and they're kind of being uh, the mystery is attempting to be solved. Everyone's wearing masks, as you say, and it's kind of a nice allegorical kind of touch. It is because we we see it behind the faculty door, mm. and the students don't see that. There's always that kind of give and take, isn't there? If you think back to when you were at school, yeah, your teachers, you know, most of them you don't really get on with because like sometimes there's one that's your mate, sometimes one sort of gets it, and they're, they're cool. There's always a John Stewart one who's like, yeah. oh, you know, don't you know, I'm really cool, kids. Like seriously, I'm I'm actually not that bad. Yeah, but they're always the worst ones normally. I, mm. I found anyway. Tryhards, Brents, little Brenters, aren't they? Like, <laughs> I, I totally saw all of that in the faculty. So I thought Rodriguez really pulled that in. Well, I wondered what he was like at school. I, I don't know too much from the book. I don't know too much, but I think by all accounts, he's like an AV guy. He's a, um, 
a guy who instead of writing essays would turn in movies as um as his paperwork and they would allow him to do that because all he cared about was drawing and and making movies so i do feel he's coming at it from the point of view of a bit of a a misfit in spite of being you know tall good looking you know popular chap i'm sure but and 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 very uh very articulate and uh skilled at what he does but you know it doesn't matter who you are at school sometimes you sometimes you just don't fit in with with what's going on so i think he came at it from from that angle a little and i think that's again one of the one of the things that the movie does really well in in both the script and also uh the way rodriguez kind of depicts it is is that idea of school adolescence and that search for individuality yes a big influence on this one outside of the you know the sci-fi and horror elements is the breakfast club right i mean the archetypes of of adolescence is was kind of codified in that movie they've obviously already we've always had archetypes since since storytelling began there's Mm -hmm. always been archetypes since greek myths however the teenage archetypes that are being subverted in this movie are the John Hughes ones, right? I mean, yeah. so you've got the, let's go through them. We'll start with Stan. So we've got the jock. Yeah. And the subversion is that he actually would love to be more academic, which is normally never the case because they're normally... Emilio! The Emilio! Emilio! <laughs> Absolutely. You've got... Uh, Delilah is the... Delilah is obviously the Molly Ringwald um, character. Absolutely. And the, the social climber who... Mm-hmm gravitates towards the most popular kid in school i'm not sure her arc is as clear as molly ringwald's um it's a bit peculiar when she ends up with the pasty uh pasty looking elijah wood at the end just because he's got some product in his hair and he's the he's the new celebrity of the school he's got a little bit of brill cream in so she's still a bit shallow still a bit superficial at the end there well and well we'll get to the ending because that's one of the that points to my how i see the ending versus the easy reading of it but yes who, who else you, you've got um we've got zeke who is the the dropout uh too cool for school but actually is super super smart although i would argue that like just because he can make some wonder dust he does know the the latin names of the parasite or whatever he was reeling off in that scene i don't know how he knew any of that the other one that got me as well is the way that the film places zeke it's like in the class where no one answers questions, he answers them. Well, of course he has. He's already done the fucking year. <laughs> yeah. I've tried to decipher what he says to Miss Burke there to see if it's actually intelligent and articulate. I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure if it means much. It's proper Dawson's Creek nonsense. Uh, yes, Zeke. Caruso was afraid that he'd be stuck on that island forever with nothing but calluses. <laughs> no, that's, that's not correct, Zeke. Isolation was his greatest fear yes but his external existence in no way compared to the internal agony of the loneliness he felt that's very good like i said calluses (laughs) right but she's very impressed anyway so he, he passes that one and then we've got stokely who is the ali sheedy of the bunch and I, I always hated that in The Breakfast Club because I liked Ali Sheedy with the dandruff and the crisp sandwiches. I didn't want her in a in a pretty frock. Mm. You know, I don't I don't like that. We'll talk about the ending again mm. later, but I mean, thoughts on Stokely? Well, she goes from wearing all black to wearing lilac, so at least they don't go full 
full pretty dress, but you know she's she is compromising her uh, her goth goth roots. Yeah, and it also kind of diminishes that. I, I as a teenager, I went, I had three phases. So mm. I actually Skater. became a skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. I I was a skateboarder for a bit. Um, got both my ears pierced, dyed my hair blue, got suspended. <laughs> Became quite a competent <laughs> vert ramp skater, by the way, just, you know, to balance out the story. Uh, and then that, that lasted about two years. Uh, and I think probably girls influenced my decision to walk away from that particular yeah. scene because yeah. there weren't many at all. And uh, as much as I enjoy hanging out with the guys, um, you know, I was, I was 13, 14. Let me guess, um, indie rock? No, I went, I went a bit goth then for a bit. Ah. Then I went pure libertines, skinny tie, skinny tie indie rock, and that lasted until university. Right when I realised that I was definitely not the coolest kid on campus. So, <laughs> and then I and then I pretty much adopted the look that I still carry this to this day, which is uh, blue jeans, black t-shirts, and some kind of crazy sock. But everything yeah. else is pretty milk toast oh I'm, I'm very similar i remember collecting my gcse results and i had a hairstyle that was a bit like dexter holland from the offspring um but different color i think and then i and then i around uni it was the stroke so i went a bit thrift store ch- charity shop jackets that i thought looked good but but didn't and smoked a lot and then uh yeah they, they were my only two phases really i, I didn't really go full goth but it does feel like it, it, it goes a bit Stepford Wives with, mm-hmm. uh, with Stokely. Although again, that feeds into my potential ironic ending that I'm going to pose for those people that, um, want, want, want it to be more than just, Oh, oh, they're all just normal. That's a shame. Um, but yeah, you're right. And then who we got finally, we've got Elijah Wood. We've got Casey who is. This, Brian, you know, I think Del- Delilah says it, Steve. Yeah, Brian, but it's the Stephen King kid. But yeah. I love what I love about this group and uh, the way that Williamson's scripts and also the way that Rodriguez um, betrays them hmm. is they've all got an individual trait that means to combat this alien invasion. Yes, they they bring something to the party. So Zeke uh, Zeke makes drugs. Um, you've got Elijah Wood. He's a photographer. Mm-hmm. He's he's an observer, an investigator for the for the paper. Her, him and uh, Delilah, mm-hmm. and it, but he sees because he's such an outsider, he sees the subtle differences that no one else sees. I mean, I would see the coach also stood in front of <laughs> best, in water. Best shot in the movie: the coach under the sprinklers. Just yeah, because I could actually see Robert Patrick smirking as he's getting dumped. <laughs> So yeah, but again, he's an observer, so he sees the subtle changes. A bit like Jamie Lee in uh, in Halloween, she's hyper aware of things, and that that makes yeah, her absolutely. capable of, of of defeating the villain. Yeah, Stokely is the well-read character, so her understanding of the foundational texts with which this alien invasion is based on yep. means that she can absolutely bring that to the fore about. There's a host. The normally, if you kill one, I mean, obviously, yeah. And and they did a similar thing in Dustal Dawn, don't they? When they had that conversation about what do we actually know about vampires, and and they go through. They they do, yeah. I don't believe in vampires, but I believe I believe in my own eyes. Absolutely, stuff. and they yeah. go through what they know about it. Um, uh, and then we've got Stan, whose quality might seem 
lesser, but actually he's he's the in, isn't he? Mm. He's the one who can get into the football team. He's the one who can get into the social circles that none of the others can. And he kind of sacrifices himself at the end there because he goes out to see if it's taken effect and he's the one that gets that gets turned. And I was I found that slightly disturbing when I was younger, particularly when he doesn't take the scat. He just tips it and they all kind of uh there's a nice there's a nice fright there it's a nice turn isn't it but yeah. it, it speaks of a d student to think i'll go out there on my own and just check to see if um, <laughs> everything's okay yeah um god bless you stan who's the last person uh well we haven't done mary beth but mary beth is a is an she's the exception and that, that's also why there isn't a counterpart in the breakfast club for mary beth because she is the the outsider she's, she is the alien it's yeah. the giveaway um so the, the other the other thing if you're done with that the other thing is that they have a, a counterpart so um like stan has the coach as his kind of nemesis and um you know I, i'm not sure if it applies to all of them but I, I guess zeke and mrs burke are uh inherently tied because they have that the, the cherry flavored condom uh chocolate laxative uh discussion and uh, she kind of embarrasses him in front of people. She got some bad shit, you know. That's yeah. Him. She she really did. It's yeah. it it for for all I'm gonna say, Famke Janssen. What range <laughs> to go from yeah. on a top, on a top. To, to this? Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. God bless her. She well, I really feel for her early on when she's in the cardigan. She's got her glasses, and he's been overly mean to her so to, I, I quite enjoy that scene when she she comes back powerful and then delilah and stokely have got their antagonism yes. over stan and i guess casey and C- casey's our emotional through line throughout the whole story i wonder if there should have been something with his parents maybe that could have been an, a, a nice nemesis well you see you know, we don't normally do this on the show. Like, how would you make a film better? But I think I would have got rid. As much as I love shooting McGavin, and you know, okay, pal, no more flog, no more flogging the bishop <laughs> is one of the greatest lines ever committed yeah. to celluloid. I would have got rid of the whole parent angle because I do feel like that is slightly rushed and also a bit. I would have kept it completely in the school. I think that that was to, for me that. That would have been how I would have done it. But I suppose we wouldn't have got that very creepy shot of them waiting out the window. Is that fantasy? Is, is that, is that in his mind or is that, it's very body snatchers the way they reach out, uh, towards him, the Donald Sutherland ending. But, um, yeah, I, I, I never really knew if that was for real or not, or if that was in his mind, but, um, but I think you, I think Casey's antagonism is the fact that he's, he is the loner. In the school. So it really is the predicament because his, out of everyone, he's the one who seems the least comfortable in their existence. I would have kept it, but I would have maybe developed the idea of his dad being his nemesis and him having to sort of, through, through, a, through a trial, having to defeat him. Because he seems quite, he seems quite a loving father, but just in the disappointed dad mode when he's like, I'll pick yeah. you up from school. You know, there yeah. isn't, there, he doesn't get chastised. He just literally just, uh, the only thing you can see is on his bumper, he's got my son is a, so maybe there's a lot of pressure on Casey, but. Yeah, but, but also he's, he is saying that aliens are taking over the, the school. I mean, what, what are you could, what are you to do as a parent? I mean, you would think they were on drugs at that point if, if your kid said that to you. And blend in these, these genres. So you've got this horror element, you've got this mm. sci-fi element, and then you've got this kind of teen drama, uh, 
I think it, I think it really does work. The first hour of this movie is so much fun. I yeah. really enjoy it. And I love the, um, I love like the, it's kind of hip and a bit nineties, yeah. but having the flash card with each character. I love that. And freeze frame. That just, I don't know. That just gives me chills. Well, I always think of uh, Mean Streets when I see it. Um, I didn't see Mean Streets until a few years after. But I don't know who was doing it. Rodriguez, you stole this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and uh, they do it in Mean Streets when they introduce the characters. And I think there might be freeze frames. I can't remember. There's definitely names at the bottom of the screen. But in this one, the way it's written as well is very reminiscent of the ink uh, scrawlings in Robert Rodriguez's short film that he made before El Mariachi to test the camera. It was called Bedhead. I put it in the playlist. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a black and white uh, film about, and he used his, his siblings as the actors and his sister gets a knock on the head and she develops these super powers to get revenge on her brother who torments her. And the Robert Rodriguez drew the title sequence and the inking, it, it looks like the same handwriting. So I'm, I couldn't say for sure because there's no making of stuff for the faculty at all. So, and there's no commentary, um, which is really disappointing. But I, I, yeah, I get a real personal touch from that, those freeze frames and the names. And I, I think it's a, it's a very hip, hip is thrown around as a, an adjective for this one, but it, it really is a cool, cool way to start the movie. And in a strange way, it speaks to how, how, much of a like scene stealer Josh Hartnett is in this movie because not only is he playing the coolest character amongst all of them, as far as like, if you're an impressionable teenager, I mean, me now as a, as a grown adult looks at Zeke going, mate, you've just wasted a year of your life. <laughs> but he, he holds the screen that, that, that song that comes on, I forget the title, but it's again, that's in the, on the faculty soundtrack, which was a big deal at the time. Uh, and, and he shows up in the car and the steady cam move goes around him and he's got that haircut that's very distinctive. And Robert Rodriguez calls them hero shots. I think I mentioned in the dusk podcast, he was giving George Clooney hero shots, low angles looking up to make him look like a movie star. And he said, even if this movie flops and nobody cares, you're going to have a, a hell of a show reel. You can use some of these shots to really kind of progress your career. And I think Josh Hartnett holds the screen. I wouldn't quite say movie star, but he has the potential to to, to go on and, and be that. I think he he does in this. You know, whereas in Halloween H two O, he's yes. conceding the ground to Jamie Lee, but also his character in that is. I mean, it's we we discussed it. It's perfunctory. Um, hmm. Him and Michelle Williams do the best they can with what they got. You can tell that Williamson didn't write that one because I, I looked into that and I don't think he wrote that one. I think that was produced by him, executive produced. Uh, so again, it's in the Williamson vein, but you can really tell the difference between uh, the screenplays. But I, I disagree with you. I think Hartnett's got star quality written all over him, and it's not—it's not just because of the. Uh, and in a way, you know, they clearly thought that too because the poster, all of the screen posters uh, with all the cast of characters looking, you would think from the poster. That Zeke is the main character, but and I, I think he car- he's great on screen, and I I I don't know if he's quite movie star yet, but I, he certainly has the potential. I, I wish he'd done more stuff in in the vein. A too much too soon. I think he was getting thrown a bit like what happened to DiCaprio, but DiCaprio rode through it, and mm-hmm. I think Hartner just went away for a bit, and he's now come back. But I remember seeing him in Black Dahlia, which was a disappointment all round mm-hmm. as a De Palma movie, anyway. 
And Scarlett Johansson was in that movie and she, she got out of it alive, but Josh Hartnett bore the brunt of that. Well, he, he was also in the opening scene of, uh, Sin City, which was the test, the, the test that they made to see if they could bring Frank Miller's images to the screen. And he, and it was, uh, he was in that opening scene. It's the first scene in the, in the final movie too. And he holds the screen there. Yeah. I just think, I just think he was in a lot in a very short period of time, you know, lucky number Slevin is a is a fun movie yeah and then you 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 can't look past the fact that pearl harbor probably did him a bit of damage mm. and then he went away and i'm glad he's come back now uh, i know patrick worked with him on um the wrath of man and yeah, said he big was fan. an absolute dump, yeah and an absolute delight which is why i think patrick was disappointed because i think he was going to sing josh hartnett's praises yeah. um and uh, he's he's also in a in a fairly successful tv show at the minute so hopefully as he's gotten a bit older and cause he's got, he also suffers from the Leo baby face yes. a little bit, but yes, I think he can come back, but he's great in this. He's really, really good. And I, I enjoy the entire cast actually. Apart, yeah. Can I say apart from, it's not on apart from, <laughs> I think, I think I understand why, because you've got clear Duval who for me is the MVP of this. Stokely is, mm-hmm. I think, but as a, as, as a performer, I think she's the best thing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, She's got the most mucky waters to tread through because she's got to pretend that she's a lesbian and a goth, but Um. also be believable that she would fancy the quarterback. And when that kiss happens, it's believable. She says, oh, I I always, I just wanted to do that. You know, I didn't want to die and not, not done that, you know. But she also has to kind of carry that Daria energy. And not be dislikable. Yeah. And she right. isn't. She's actually super like, so it's really her, it's a high wire act and Claire Duvall is great. Mm. I wonder if they cast her first and then thought, we can't have somebody who looks like Frey Prince Jr. as Stan. Yeah. So we'll go for, cause that it stands the only one that I feel like, not that it's miscast, but if you're no. going to play to the archetypes, I think you'd cast to them and then that subversion feels kind of like, stronger yeah but he he kind of looks like a scrawny ginger kid and i don't know if i buy him as a quarterback but it, it doesn't but help that i've me. never seen him in other things before or since he's just not on my radar at all i think it's is it sean hatozi i think he's called yeah i've seen him in stuff but i never you know the faculty is the if you put his face on a screen i would be like oh that's the guy from the faculty i wouldn't know anything else yeah but he's he's strangely slightly miss for me he's miscast just on his look because as i say we're trying to play with codified archetypes and then the whole idea of conformity and non-conformity and individuality we'll talk about mm. in a second yeah stan feels like the one who's like oh, he's just kind of ginger and pale i'm not mm. sure he would be the coolest kid in school but only in the 90s because now nowadays in this modern era if you did the faculty now it'd be very different cast yeah um and it'd be very different archetypes uh, yeah you because know, Del- delilah i think they nail like jordana brewster's great in this yeah um, and, and, as, and is... as bitchy and, and shallow as she is you still love her because she's jordana well brewster. she's just she's jordana brewster and she's yeah. got that smile and you're like yeah, yeah. maybe i will become an alien <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i love i love the way she breaks through that garage door as well again reminiscent of <laughs> like um... the hulk explodes through the wall like the old hulk like the tv show hulk it like, is. It's like Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, Lou maybe Frigno. they got Lou Ferrigno to do it, but they put a, Bruce, a Jordana Brewster wig on him. 
but I couldn't tell from because her shoulders were tucked in. I do like that effect as well, where she turns around to camera and the slugs are under her skin. There's a lot of interesting stuff with with K and B, the same effects company that did From Dust Till Dawn, and uh, friend, of, not quite friend of the show, friend of I think it's his wife who commented on one of our uh, things, Robert Kurtzman, and Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger. And so there's a lot of practical stuff, and that um, there's some CG that that is a little trying at times. But uh, my point of reference would be it's a little Alien Resurrection at times. Yeah, but under under the skin worked for me. Uh, some of the the thing looking stuff with um, uh, oh with Famke, John, John, yeah, no, with John Stewart, John. I think is okay. But the Famke. Jansen severed head stuff it isn't quite too much uh, too much light as well we need rob Botine. where's rob Botine when you need him to do some practice yeah i mean I, again you know if you're a if you're a an avid horror sci-fi fan mm. you'd watch that and maybe roll your eyes and be like oh, yes god yeah. yeah but then there's also some stuff in the swimming pool do you know that there's a bit in the swimming pool where it's kind of cloudy and you see the the creature when when mary beth has turned into the the full-on alien queen form and she's swimming after them that looks great in the cloudy murky waters but you're right some of it is too brightly lit and too uh kind of garish and kind of ob- obvious yeah the, the best stuff for me is the the practical so for example when um stokely claire duvall hits that swimming pool tile and a, yeah the, that you the, feel the that splatter. hit yeah the way that the way that rodriguez cuts it mm. and he goes tight that hit feels so real so when I watched it this week, I was like, I was like, that is, that is extraordinary. Cause yeah, it, good stun. And then, cause practically done. Good stun, practically done, shot and edited yeah. wonderfully with a cracking sound, uh, uh yeah. foley sound of, yeah. um, so that's great. The Brommel stuff, um, you know, with the hair coming out and the, you know, and again, I, I, I quite like the explanation, you know, she's had cancer for a long time. Uh, you know, that just feels like a horrific thing that could happen. You know, your hair does fall out if you, um, you know, if you are unfortunate enough to, to be afflicted. So all of that stuff felt great. Let's talk, let's talk about what being taken over does to you. It makes you sexy. <laughs> all windswept. Even Mrs. Olsen. <laughs> I know, yeah. One of the reasons why I would like to be taken over by this this parasite. Mary Beth, please come to Glasgow. I would <laughs> like I would like a, a, a little like slug in my ear, please. Um yeah. I, I would all of a sudden be, look very pretty, according mm. to Robert Patrick. Yeah. But yeah, it's great, isn't it? And also what I like is um I love the I love the allegory again of the alien in the room admiring the resilience of this mm. disparate group. So when you get taken over, they talk about how it dampens your emotions, but mm. actually Mary Beth talks about it in another way, which is it reduces your, it, it takes away your fear. So it's like for the coach at the beginning, that's why I think Robert Patrick's playing it at 11. It's all about winning, isn't it? His yes. fear is losing. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't care. And that's when Robert Patrick turns T-1000. There's a similar thing where, where Stan talks to Stokely and says that you'll be beautiful and there's no problems or worries, which for, for high school kids is the, the real, that'll seal the deal. Listen, it wasn't Drake. It's the coach. And he's right after me. Open the door. No, don't do it, Stoke. Prove it, Stan. Where's the drug? I lost it. The coach was too fast for me. Please, Stokely, don't leave me out here. Last one, man. Please. 
I'm begging you, don't leave me out here. Come on, Stokely, open the door. There, try it. Okay, I'll do it. I'll just let me do it inside. Do it right now, man. Take the test, Stan. Stan, take the drug, man. Prove it to us. Okay. so much better. There's no fear or pain. It's beautiful. And you will be beautiful. You'll be beautiful. No problems or worries. We want you. I want you. I want you. I think it does really well to play on that paranoia. And that you don't know who's been turned and you don't know who's one of them and you don't know who's authentic. And that is like school. You don't really know who your friends are at times. Well, sometimes they're not even friends, are they? Like people that you do, uh, if you're in the UK system, it's tiered. So you're maths, English and science. You go into sets. So you could be in like the top set for science, but because your English isn't as great, you could be in set two, you know, in completely different class with completely different people. I'm not giving away where I was. I was an <laughs> English guy, not a science guy. Yeah, um, likewise. But, but, you know, you, but you sit next to someone and you're like, hey, how are you getting on? You're not my mate, but you know, we'll keep, we'll keep it, we'll keep it civil because I'm sat next to you and I might need to copy off you. <laughs> right. It's got those, the alienation, conformity, individualization themes all running through it, that that individual action in society uh, kind of aspect. And I found that there was so much interesting coloring in the margins of this one, all, all things going on in the background and little themes running through it. And the, all those hi, uh, sci-fi tropes are there. But it's a high school movie too, and they they really got that blend quite well. Now, you said that maybe the parent thing could be cut, but there's also there's the distrust of friends. There's the there's how we relate to our parents at that age, which is a key factor in how we how we become. And I, I know what you mean. I think it could have been developed more, but I do think they they threw that in as another layer. Um, but also yourself, like how you don't really know yourself you you're you're searching yeah you're you're always you know i just told you i went through three different fucking <laughs> costume looks. changes with yeah, yeah literally you're right absolutely <laughs> costume changes with different music associated different movies yeah. i guess the one the one through line for me was i was always a, a cinephile yeah so that was never going to change and has never changed um but i guess i guess in a way now as an adult not that you become like one of the pod people, but you just, you don't mask your, um, your individuality. It just ceases to become like, not that it's not important, but it just goes into the background. It's yeah. a bit like, you know, like if you have a conversation with somebody who you've never met before mm. and you can, you can, uh, run through, God, give, hear, hear me going through some of the, some of the kind of nonsense, the, uh, what we call the communication triangle where you want to try and get to like peak rapport with somebody so you have to start off at like low level conversation small talk like, oh, and then weather's nice yeah, yeah you know yeah. Uh, I, I live in glasgow for example they will cut straight to the chase most of the time because there is a clear divide in the city 
associated with the football teams, which also has... Oh, they want to find out what mask you're so, wearing, what uniform yeah, you're wearing, exactly. really. So, so, in a way, you know, it happens through life. It's not just in uh, in secondary school. Mm. But I think in secondary school, everything's heightened, doesn't it? Because everyone's hormones are all over the place. Everyone's yeah. searching for something that defines them. And because we're idiots at that age, we all think that we're the most fucking special person in the world. Mm-hmm. Hence why I love every movie that's got a God complex with uh, <laughs> with teenagers because it's oh, uh, so Oh, Donnie Darko again. Donnie, Donnie Darko again. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I think the faculty really taps into that and it starts straight away with Mary Beth being super pleasant to those mm-hmm. two girls sat on a step. Why, they don't need to be like, so, but I do, they do help her, but it's like, I will help you. She's all right. No that way. girl with the nose ring, she, she points the right way. She's all right. She points the right way. Yeah, she does. But every we've, I guess my point is I've seen this done kind of badly in a lot of movies, you know, the, the teenage, dynamics i'm looking at you dangerous minds because Ooh. obviously you know that's uh, i enjoy michelle in that but there's a lot are you of, glad like, that there's not a violent hispanic youth at this uh at this i i am kind i am kind of glad that they avoid all that stuff um hmm. although there are there are two white girls that crash right at the beginning and just have a fight and i like that that's fun ah uh, yeah and there's the there's the boyfriend girlfriend the fuck you couple i think they're credited as who are just yes. constantly swearing at each other and, and abusing abusing each other. Again, it's it's only it well, it's Zeke that see I think Casey sees it first and then Zeke sees it. And Zeke obviously has got the two druggies where they're like, Oh, they're, they're the a little one who will keen. not be named because he's been cancelled from that seventies show. It's uh it, I, I was gonna put oh, him in Oh, as, is it him? Yeah, it's Hyde from that seventies show, but he's been he Scientology got him, I think. No award for you, no. Hyde. Yeah, we shouldn't even mention his real name, but yeah, Hyde from that 70s show. There was this uh, TV commercial and print ad campaign for a uh, campaign for Tommy Jeans. And what Robert Rodriguez apparently did was to tie that in in order to get more money. And there's a female character that you see in that commercial that was supposed to be in the movie, but was eventually cut. And you can see her in certain scenes when they're looking at the parasite in the aquarium. She's standing there with the rest of the crowd, but um, uh, she was edited out for, for I'm, I'm not sure what reason. Well, I, the cast is big anyway, isn't it? it I is. You need another teenager. I mean, like I say, thank God Usher was dreadful. So they just got rid of him and made him out of the movie. Well, and that feeds into drugs, so clearly, as I already mentioned, those people that are big, you know, John Carpenter fans and love the thing will roll their eyes at the faculties. Um, absolute. <laughs> well, I saw this first. Did you see this first? I saw this first as well. But yeah. to be honest with you, uh, my little brain wouldn't have put two and two together and got four. I definitely would have been like Barney, um, the dinosaur, <laughs> needed him to tell me that it's definitely the same scene. Well, the scenes, it's, it's a much better scene in the thing, I think. But here, it, this is the high school version. Now, I had my little, isn't it interesting that normally as teenagers, the message from secondary school is don't do drugs. Drugs are I'm bad. looking at you. Drugs are bad. Mr. Mackey in South Park. Okay. <laughs> okay. Drugs are bad. So I like the fact that, again, we're subverting that drugs are actually the thing that are going to save yeah, you. Yeah. And then, and and also we get the one bit where Mary Beth says, "Oh, it's just sleeping pills." That's your 
why is he taking these drugs in the first place? It's caffeine. It's so they can stay up and study, presumably. I mean, they, they are getting high, but the, there was a whole, there was a pro plus fiasco at my secondary school where, where someone I knew was taking a lot of pro plus to keep them, I guess it's a caffeine pill essentially to keep them, uh, in, in the zone so they can, they can revise for longer periods of time. So I, maybe it's an inversion of, of that. Why are these kids taking caffeine pills and, in the first place, you know, I just I just thought it was uh, a nice little wrinkle mm. in the movie. That, I mean, if it was if it was know, cocaine or ecstasy, and they stated that, then I guess it would be more on the nose, wouldn't it? But yeah, the idea that it's actually not that it's harmless, but it's not it's not a class A drug. No, so um, yeah, it's kind of it kind of works. Well, and I think, they they um, get to have their cake and eat it too because it's a drug, but it's a legally it's something that you can get. Over the counter, I guess. Yeah, over the counter, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, just because he's crushing it up doesn't mean it's, uh, you know. And it means that we don't look at Zeke in a an unfavorable light. He can right. still be too cool for school. Mm. He's just a little bit of a rebel without yeah. a cause. You know, like, because <laughs> he steals the stuff from the science lab. It's like, ooh, check yeah. you out. What I wanted to talk about next was Mary Beth yeah. and the alien. It's so obvious. Why did I never see it coming? Well, well, not just that, not that, not just that she's the alien, but also I like, I like the fact that it kind of goes a bit life force. So, you know, she goes, na- she gets naked. Now, I have a th- there's a thing here. When I, when I was watching this as a, as a teenager, I may have been guilty of going close to the television to see if I can see anything during those scenes. And, you know, she is nude, but on, on the recent rewatch, I think they've digitally removed her nipples. I'm, I'm convinced yeah. they've, they've, they've gone in and they've airbrushed the nipples. So anyone, you know, going close to their TV to see if they can see anything, you're not going to see anything. Uh, th- there is like a profile shot where she's walking around and this is a very adolescent boy kind of, uh, well, we're, thing. We're, we're two boys. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, you can, you can kind of, it, it, it's a, it was a titillating thing back in the day, but, um, I, 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 the one thing I don't like there is the, the fluctuation between her human form and the alien form. I think it happens too many times. She's back and forth too agreed, much. Agreed. Agreed. There's the bit in the pool was the best one because yeah. again, you're masked by water, but also it kind of felt like more natural when she the, does it outside of the pool. When she's in the locker room. Yeah. And it's like, well, Oh, I can't leave this room now. I'm going to have to go back into a naked girl form to get through the door. A lovely image of her walking down the sets of lockers with, the silhouette of the shadow just yeah. tentacles that is wonderful that yeah. is wonderful wonderful stuff good visual storytelling and uh do, do you like the alien design did you did you care for that we've had one simpsons reference we'll now have two south park it's a bit crap people um for <laughs> a bit me generic it's a, it's a bit like somebody said draw an alien to a kid and then a kid drew it yeah it's a bit it's a it's a bit generic it's a bit you know as i say it's a bit sea dwelling thing it's actually um alien. somebody said lovecraftian um for some of the yeah the but they say that for everything Matt, and it's, it's, it's actually true but it's actually uh bernie wrightson who who co-created swamp thing uh along with knb so i don't know who is entirely responsible for it i guess he did some uh concept art and they worked from that bit generic i'd say it, it's generic and the, the can't the all be geek can it yeah the litmus test is there is nothing that would differentiate it from any, like from the the tentacle monster that grabs Frodo when he's trying to get into mm-hmm. the mines of Moria. Like mm. it's just a sea dwelling creature thing. 
and that's it. I don't right. think it, I don't think it particularly pops, but, but that image of her walking down, yes. uh, the corridors in shadow with the silhouette, that pops, that really yes. works. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that stuff, uh, is lovely. And, um, I love the fact that Mary Beth kind of, she gravitates towards the group, which yeah. I find interesting. She's fascinated by them. Well, why is the alien queen targeting that group? Are they the biggest threat? It's in her conversations with Stokely that we, we reveal her motive for staying with them. I think she finds them to be more complex. Hmm. You know, when she's talking about, you know, live, you know, be free, don't feel, it's almost like she's, she's found them to be the, the greatest game. More of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Want to be lab partners? I didn't know you were a lesbian. I don't think I've ever met one before. Have you been out long? You know, I think it's very impressive and involved in Not a lesbian, all right? Be one. Please, I'm afraid. You were right about me. I, I don't have any friends, and I like it that way. Being a lesbian is just my security. Your security against what? People like you. <laughs> Complex. <laughs> Let's talk about the ending, then. Yeah. Actually, before we do, the way that the monster gets uh, gets taken out, 100% Terminator. So again, <laughs> for those of you that for those of you that don't like movies that reference other movies like nakedly, this one's not for you because you'll roll your eyes again. It's your Terminated fucker. It's that bit. Yeah, it's. It, I, I wish they just said your jacked fucker. They should have done. <laughs> but I suppose Rodriguez would be worried that Cameron would send in a letter. Yeah, um, and he'd, he'd have want to some pay money, him some money. He? Yeah. He wants some money because he needs another trip to the ocean um, yeah. at that point. Yeah, no, I thought um, I liked it. Uh, I liked the, uh, And I also, very convenient how the creatures will just disintegrate into nothing. Yeah, and also the amount of scat that it would take to take down one teacher did not relate at all to taking down this massive beast. But I guess it's the parasite, the, the, <laughs> the parasite is the same size, but the, the alien queen itself is, you know, 20 times the size of a human, but still one stab in the eye will take it down. Yeah. They needed, uh, it needed like some kind of spear. Um, <laughs> just a, a biro, you know, those shitty biro pens, having used them for many, many a year, mm. they will not, they will not get past first contact with a, pe- with a piece of paper. So <laughs> no. the idea that that'll get pierced through an eyeball and then, dry it out fair enough listen they had to end the movie somehow did you get some aliens vibes too though there's some aliens-esque pieces to the music yeah they reference sigourney weaver being you know casey as they're in the drug scene um i i do think uh yeah there's rodriguez is pulling from from good source i -hmm. think um but again i have no issue with it whatsoever because the target audience for this movie in 98 was people that had never seen these movies Mm. And that's it. You know, you, you're literally trying to bring the, uh, this to the masses and yeah. let them go three and search out these movies. And, and then you become a Randy, don't you? Yes. Like, if you, if you'd seen the movies that Randy was referring to in Scream, then you would have known in Scream 2 that it was Mickey, the loony <laughs> film school student. <laughs> you know, the fr- freaky Tarantino film student. But if he's a suspect, I'm a suspect. Yeah. So let's move on. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've read a few people talk about it's a bit of a downer to see this like disparate group who we've all 
had quite a lot of fun um, going on this journey with. Yeah. Uh, then kind of conform. I-, I saw it slightly differently. I saw it as they're still subverting their expectation, our, our expectations of them, which would be that they get what they want, but they're, but actually I think they're still being true to themselves. Yes. I think it's just the costume of Stoke, Stokely is bad form. It's a, but then I think <laughs> yeah. if you look at it, if you look at it as like a Stepford wives thing, then it becomes far more sinister. Like mm-hmm. she's fully, like she's gone. She's got like it's it's one eighty, isn't it? So right. It's kind of crazy how she's gone full tilt the other well, way. Stokely was inter- interesting. She said um, she goes from someone who perhaps doesn't like herself very much to saying, "God, I hope I am myself," and and that was it's a very teenage feeling. It's very specific. Like if you're very depressed at times. I mean, I I had some down some down moments in those those teenage years, but I never wanted to be anyone else i never made that leap to uh, i had quite a stubborn attitude about it although you know i wasn't happy all the time i didn't want to change who i was at my essence at my at my core and i think that's that's something they tapped into really well mm, no i agree agree uh, and i also th- think i also think the way that you know delilah still getting with casey that's just Delilah being a social climber still, right? She's, yeah, she she's hasn't with, really had an arc. She hasn't she, she, really changed. But then, but nor has Casey. Still a geek. It's the world, it's the, what the world has put on him that's changed, hmm. you know, the perception. You know, he's put a bit of brill cream in his hair. He's still got the same crappy clothes on. He's still and, pasty. And very it, pasty. He's still, still pasty. He's still taking photos of butterflies. Mm. Um, you know, you're not going to get anywhere, son, that, <laughs> by the way. I didn't like the ending of The Breakfast Club because I, it really did feel like a, a cop-out in, in many ways. But I do love that film. But um, and as I said, I preferred Ali Sheedy the way she was. But I, I think in the case of The Faculty, it's been accused of having a bit of a cop-out ending similar to The Breakfast Club which is ironic because it steals directly from there. And, and you know, some people, you know, read it as, uh, it's this time that we all conform, but we, don't we all conform in order to live our lives, in order to exist in the world? So I feel like these characters have resisted being forced to change and are changing on their own terms, which is basically what individualization is. Yeah, like, so it's what it's what becoming an adult is as well. Yes. It's recognizing that you know there are those few people that have Instagram accounts that are able to live on islands on their own, or, right. or completely detached. <laughs> or you know, John Connor, for example. What's that guy? Bl- Blizzarian? What's he called? Yeah, Damn. just people who people who can just detach themselves from reality yeah. fully. <laughs> but they are they are definitely the exception and not the rule. Most of us will need to conform into some kind of system yeah uh some kind you know we've all got to pay taxes we've got to get a car get a you know some people get houses some people get a dog you know uh, if you get a dog you have to then get a poop scooper because <laughs> guess what they can't just shit everywhere yeah. otherwise you get a fine so all these things start to feed into your outlook and life it says only as a teenager you have that brief period when you are the most important person in your world because your world is so very small. And, and and I like the fact that the ending kind of grabs, takes that and, and with an ironic smirk, 
these people have saved the world mm. and it's been a month and no one cares and everyone's gone yeah. back to normal that that's to me totally how it would be that's exactly is the what it would fu- be. It, that is the fun ending you know there's still some local news still some like you know ambulance chasers looking for you know a news story but everyone else has moved on and mm. that kind of feeds into the the news cycle but also at school you could do you could you could do something great. You've got about a week yeah. where people will be like... And the good news is if you embarrass yourself, you've got a week until someone does something worse. Someone else does something else, yeah. If you shit your, shit your <laughs> pants in school, don't worry because someone will do something worse. Yeah, I know it's worse than that, but we'll... <laughs> there must be something worse. I, I think there's still a rebellion at the end here. That It's not the aliens forcing them to change. It's the kids that are changing on their own terms. And uh, they they've been through this this massive ordeal, and uh, there's some good arcs there. And you know, I, I again the the Zeke thing is a bit of a problem because I don't think he would join the football team. The only thing that I think makes that forgivable is that I'm a contradiction stuff that he says, and I think he's just doing it to fuck with people. He'll he'll just do the opposite of what you expect. The fact is, yeah, he's he's accepted that school he, he should embrace his last school year because yeah. it's not going to last forever. And, uh, you know, I guess is, I mean, I'm projecting a little Could bit, be. but that's, that's how I saw it. Yeah. And in a year's time, he'll be able to, you know, use those cherry condoms on Miss Burke, which <laughs> hopefully she will be on a top. Oh, oh! I wonder reference if she's kept her reference. <laughs> Does she go back to the cardigan and and the glasses? I'd love it if, uh, if if there's like a stinger at the end of the faculty where we see Zeke literally <laughs> suck all the oxygen out of his oh, no. his body, sucked out, and he falls out of the closet, just golden eye style, <laughs> but we're smiling. Yeah, you die with pleasure. That's the yeah, way to go. That's, that's how go. I want to go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right, Matt. Um, yeah. Favorite scenes oh, before favorite we get to our scenes. final thoughts. Right from the outset, I love it, and as soon as the offspring starts. At that age, when I first saw it, the kids aren't all right. Cause I had that Americana album and it was just, it never left my CD player. I don't think it we just, all, we all did. Yeah, we all did. But I had the daft hair as well. I think at the time, but, um, so dimension logo offspring, the kids aren't all right, right from the outset. I'm in. And then I, I do like that opening scene. I think it sets a good precedent and tone. Um, I think, um, there was one gag that I'd never seen before when Hyde from that 70s show uh, has got the fake ID. And because my TV's a bit bigger now than, than it used to be, I could actually see the picture on it. And it was like an old Asian man on the, on the <laughs> it's picture. A, it's, a good, it's like, trust me, man, I'm a genius. Yeah, that, that's a <laughs> gag you only get at the cinema or if you've got a, a, t- a TV that's bigger than 30 inches. They could, they, could, they could change that now as well and just make it McLovin, which would be... I've yeah. written McLovin. It's a McLovin style gag uh, that I enjoyed. Um, I liked the, we mentioned the opening name credits when they're written across the screen with the freeze frames. I just think it's got a confident swagger and everything at the beginning there, there's the soundtrack with the Hey Teacher, Leave Them Kids Alone, um, another brick in the wall, musical bed to it. And it just feels like we're being taken on a journey there. I do like the Zeke basement scat test scene it is very the thing but um it's one of the more memorable scenes from the film and finally i think the uh the way the cast return like at the end of predator and there's like a curtain call and you see all of them come back again 
um i i really en- enjoyed that how about you favorite favorite scene i'll basically say anytime that anytime these kids talk to each other i think um you know this was a a really it's a strange period in cinema to have one writer have the monopoly mm. and everyone you know it's ubiquitous everyone knew kevin williamson you know everyone became like a and I, and I, when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Everyone was watching Scream. Everyone was watching. I know what you did last summer. Everyone was yeah. watching. Well, the, not everyone watched the faculty. Look at the. Not numbers, everyone watched H two O, but there you go. No, no, no. And they were can't right all be winners. Can uh, no, they can't. But, but I just think he, you know, he tapped into something where it was really fun to see teenagers talk like <laughs> adults that that were ready well, to go they, they could articulate challenge. themselves in a way that we couldn't and they sort of yes which then meant i would use words that i didn't yet understand and still do um <laughs> but 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 felt you know i was discontent so it was good it was good i i think i think yeah anytime there's any interaction so for me it's when they've and i love the fact that when they do the the thing scene you know the tensions completely you know all the all the airs left out of the balloon as elijah wood starts pissing himself laughing yeah. and they on the, and they start they start slagging each other off and start laughing again yeah. as teenagers would so it's fun i i think yeah i think that's my you you mentioned it the cold opening is the best yeah, scene in the yeah. movie at least the best shot scene it's the best lit scene most effective scary scarily is the it is the most effective scene because you know you do have some uncomfortableness as well with the coach kind of like yeah and i love the fact that we do have a throwaway shot of some pencils so it's like i need a pencil and again pra- that practical effect of the the yeah the pencil, pencil going the in the hand really. super effective mm-hmm. yep and and i love the music cue at the end of it just the the and it's like a bass just plays yeah uh, it's good so yeah. it's very it's a very very cool way to start your movie that's going to be pretty cool all the way through mm. and cool as a descriptor in criticism or hip is norm <laughs> is normally a big no-no but i think if you can if you can achieve cool you know that's what most people want yeah. i think yeah. they wouldn't admit it but they want it matt could we just go past history and the science class and stop off at critics corner oh uh the best letterbox review this week came from user molly who simply says Danny Masterson jump scare. Three word review. That's hide from that 70s show. We did mention his name. Oh dear. So. Um, yeah, oh dear. yeah, what a shame. Um, Michael Sorter of Entertainment Weekly said Williamson had become too invested in the earnestness of teen angst to portray it in the scathing paradistic terms a hip horror movie demands. Um, no Roger Ebert this week. Uh, Can I just say that's just words put together to that sounded like uh, Zeke might say in in one of his classes to impress Miss Burke. Uh, Calluses, calluses. Empire gave it three stars out of five uh, in a very well written review, but I disagreed with quite a lot of it. Uh, It said it, it didn't really nail the correct mix of irony and horror. The faculty becomes a blatant mixture of affectionate teen satire and sci fi cliche that enjoyably reinforces how much you know about movies, which is quite nice. Corny, queasy, quick-witted fun. Again, though, the the key there, though, written from a critic who's likely seen all the movies they're referring to. So I think exactly. it really does come... It's what the viewer brings to the party as opposed to what the film's going to impart on you. 
Tom Meek of the Boston Phoenix hated it. Uh, Lawrence Van Gelder at the New York Times called it a mediocre sci-fi horror film. If the faculty is the only movie audiences see this year, maybe they can be fooled into believing that it's fresh and frightening. So mixed bag. Well, let's see what we think then. So Matt, final thoughts on the faculty and do you recommend it to our listeners? Uh, the opening could be the scariest part with the coach pursuing Miss Drake. Very tense, very well choreographed and blocked. The creature wasn't bad, could have been better. Some glaring, glaringly poor CGI in places, but it was 1998. Um, I think the faculty plays on that teacher-student divide, that feeling that we all had that maybe teachers aren't even human. I know I am one now, but we were wrong. Teachers are human, folks. Um, this idea that as kids, we can't relate to them, though. Uh, and the same goes for parents. It's as if they'll never understand the agony of being a teenager, even though they lived it themselves. Um, adults apparently forget what it's like and uh, no one seems to understand you or get it at that time. And I think that is captured very well that via, via this genre film. Uh, the suspicion and paranoia is amplified to tell that tale. This idea that the kids are dispossessed, loners, cast outs, but they're the geeky crew that can overthrow the monster. Like teen alienation as a superpower. I really enjoyed that. Uh, the, the disaffected lonely life of the, of the kids is this rite of passage that they have to go through. And, uh, they're not going to be robbed of that by an alien race. Um, there's actually something quite profound to that that I enjoyed. It's smart and stylish and hip and all those adjectives that they used back in 1998. I, I, I think it is still true. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It's always fun and funny, bit snarky, bit nasty, but it is a high school film. I don't know about you, but when I was at school, like people were incredibly mean to each other. This is how kids talk. You know, they worse. In fact, this is a, this is a tame version. Um, I feel like it's quite. It tapped into that and it's very self-aware. Um, and it, it kind of, it's a slice of my teen years and it's inherently tied to my college days too. And those early experiments with filmmaking. And, uh, it reminds me of those times and those friends and those days. And I do have, I haven't really waxed Robert Rodriguez's car. So I'm going to do it on the, on the blog instead. Uh, but I owe an awful lot to him because that book and, and some of his films led led to me pursuing film school and having an amazing time. I, I, you know, five brilliant years and plus plus two or three, actually. Um, so I, I'm not sure films like this exist for teenagers anymore. I, I think the, the amount of, you know, bad language and bloodthirsty violence. And I, I think this will still play to a contemporary audience you know to the youth i think it will hold up it's still nasty and edgy enough and the scares are really fun so it's it's an easy recommend for me i really enjoy this one um over to you Gally. yeah i think uh to follow on from what you said i definitely agree that i think this has still got legs for a contemporary audience especially when you consider that um the 90s is now very in vogue uh, fashion wise, but yeah. also, you know, the, the nostalgic cycle has now hit the nineties. And, and I think the faculty is one of those movies that according to Google is a cult classic. I mean, I would, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> wow. I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's like 
you know, it was that that much of a an underground hit. Let's mm. be fair. It was cult. Dem- yes, <laughs> classic. Maybe not. Dimensions film in '98, mm. two years after Scream. I'm not sure. It's. Uh, I'm not sure people didn't know it existed. They just didn't go and see it. Um, I think. Uh, I, I'm half gonna agree with three out of five. If I I don't normally do scores because I'm mm. not normally that. I don't know. I find them to be too rigid and I'm yeah. far too fluid to kind of score stuff. But if if someone were to press me, I would say three out of five. I would say this is a solid Friday night with a bunch of mates or with your, with your better half or your, you know, even with your kind of like, if your parents are a bit hip and cool, yeah. you know, you could watch this and have a bit of fun with it. And And I think also like we've done, you could born out of it. You could have some, Interesting conversations about alienation in your early years and how conformity and identity works and how this movie kind of play plays with those tropes mm. that we talked about from those John Hughes, you know, not just from, I mean, The Breakfast Club is clearly the, the one, but from many of the John Hughes teenage movies, um, and I think there's, there's, there's stuff to, to be gained from it. I disagree with you. I don't see the Rodriguez of it in the movie, but there are flourishes. Like I say, moments of editing, moments of, um, just kind of, kind of moments of humor, but also having now done from Dust Till Dawn and now the faculty, the fact that he is, uh, stealing from himself mm. is, uh, it's quite right. clear he, to me. He's more in, in Dusk in and, and Desperado, isn't he? There's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he's just brought a few of his tricks along, but, um, I don't think anyone who's a Robert Rodriguez fan who hasn't seen this movie is missing out on anything. You know, you can, but although I'd watch the movie, but not because it's a Robert Rodriguez. I'd movie. watch this before I watch Spy Kids though. Yeah. And definitely before Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yes. Again, least said about that, the better. I've mentioned it twice, twice too many. As some mm. might argue. Yeah, it's, pretend, it's, um, like, it's like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We just don't talk about it. We'll pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sorry, Ray. Sorry, Ray. I know you wanted to be an Indiana Jones movie, <laughs> but not in my head. Jonesy. Um, Jonesy. I'm a triple agent. Of course I am. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's my review. It's a recommendation. Um, it's a mild recommendation, mm-hmm. but I did, I will say this though, having not seen it in almost 20 years. Oh, no, that's too long. I'm not that old in almost 15 years. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I really, it really did sort of pa- like, Go get, get like A, B to C. Right. With a, with a final D at the end for Stan. D student. Really, yeah. Like really, it really did like barrel through and I did enjoy it. I just think that actually there was a couple of things where if they just made a few adjustments, maybe a couple of passes on the scripts. Mm. Like for example, the ending with the, the monster, the Terminator killing, that all felt a bit like, oh. They, they didn't know how to end this one, did they? Yeah. So they kind of, they went with the bleachers. And then I also felt like when they had the football game, you got the whole town there. Mm. Like I would have done something with that, but they didn't. They just had the football game. It starts yeah. raining. And then they, and that, but you know, the, maybe it's budgetary. 15 million is not a great deal for a. Contained... I think he made it look like double though. I think he did a great job with it. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw 15 million. Yeah. I was like, I would have said 50. 
Well, he's the mariachi man. He, he doubles it. Which... That's why you get Rodriguez, yeah. um, unless you're making Spy Kids 5 or whatever it is <laughs> up to now. Oh, God, I saw three at the cinema. Um, I was such a big fan. I saw three at the cinema alone. It's like a 10 p.m. screening with, with like daft paper glasses on. That's how big a fan I am of, of this man. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's, you never get that time back. Do you want to know the availability of this one? Yes, please, Matt. Tell our listeners where can they find the faculty? UK listeners, um, Richard Branson's Virgin Media for streaming. You can rent it in all the usual places. And if you are in Ohio, our American friends, uh, you can stream it in a bunch of different places. I think Cinemax, DirecTV, HBO Max, Max Go, and you can rent in all the usual places. Unfortunately, the Blu-ray... Or, or, in spite of being a good transfer, has bare bones, no extras at all. So uh, hopefully we get one in the future. It speaks to how little there is that there isn't even if you wanted to just not pay for it. There's nothing on YouTube either. So it's, yeah. Well, I made a playlist of the stuff that's out there, but there really isn't an awful lot, to be honest. Mm. So a bit like Rose, the only way you're going to keep this one is in your memory. So you need to watch it. <laughs> Nothing to do with Titanic, but there we go. Straight over everyone's head. Um, Matt, we have a very, very big announcement. So listeners, we don't normally do this. However, we've got a big one coming downstream, and I'm not talking about a dump. (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) Don't lead in with a dump. No, no, anything but. Actually, this thing is lethal. So Matt, would you like to introduce what is going to be our next film so if you want to swat up you've probably seen it twice already this year but you might need to watch it again matt go ahead please i am so excited to announce not one but two very special episodes for me and i'm sure us and with any luck all the rewinders out there theme please gals uh (laughs) there is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Finally, we are tackling the big fish. Mm. Yeah, off here Spielberg as well. So intimidation alert. Press the button, please. Um, so yeah, no, we're going to be doing Jaws, uh, listeners, which we're very excited for. We're also, because it's just fun, because actually as a franchise, I think it is probably the best example of how things can go. You want to so do them far. all, don't you? We are doing them all, Matt. We've obviously <laughs> got to do, uh, one and two, but to... why, why three? But you know, we, we, we've got to finish off Alien, uh, and Predator yeah. series. Which we will do, but in the in the margins, don't be surprised in your in your feed for the show that you just see Jaws the Revenge pop up because we will be doing them. Um, but we're going to start off where it all began. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. Too. There's going to be a second one too. Like just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, we will be attempting the Rewind Movie Podcast's first ever drinking game commentary track. Jaws, yes. something I've been dying to do, and we're going to invite you all to join us this 4th of July weekend, hopefully, if I can get it edited, mm-hmm. for the annual regatta, uh, guest audio appearances from Deputy Hendrix himself, Mr. Jeffrey Kramer, 
and the dead Alex Kintner, Jeffrey Voorhees. So if you go to rewindmoviecast.com for the drinking game rules and uh, you can stock up on pretzels and wine and apricot brandy or whatever you want and uh, you can drink along with us. Listeners, uh, if you want our merch, um, then please check out our T-Mill store. It's on Devlin Does Drawing. It's also linked in uh, the show notes here yep. for this episode. Um Lots of new stuff coming down the pipeline, including some Jaws stuff. And, yeah. and obviously, as well, just an appeal. We, clearly, every movie podcast that's ever existed has done Jaws. We will try and bring our perspectives to it. What it will not be, as most of our episodes are not, it, it will not be a recounting of all the stuff that you've read no. before about Jaws. We will try and just keep it our perspectives because it's it's a hard one it's one of the reasons why we've uh, it's a very intimidating it one isn't it but i think if if we just do our individual perspectives and avoid the obvious trivia i think hopefully we can bring something new to it the shark was called bruce <laughs> <laughs> i've got it out now so it's fine yeah um yeah. so yeah i'm looking looking forward to it and uh as i say i haven't seen the movie in about six months which it's is, currently you know, on netflix a... uh netflix career I, th- I think it's probably on on netflix in other countries too in glorious hd so yeah have a watch but i i, I own this one matt so yeah so of course good. you do of course i do yeah um right listeners if you enjoy what we do please like subscribe share spread the gospel that's all we ask um spotify apple wherever you get your podcast please leave us a little review it really does help bring people to the show and i just want to thank all those new listeners that uh, we've been picking up over the last few episodes um thanks for joining the ride and hopefully we can uh, we can continue on this journey for a very very long time um matt school's out though so we should say our goodbyes <laughs> yes okay pal no more flagging the bishop it's galley in glasgow signing out sniff this it's matt in south korea Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. Mom.